Hello, you are very welcome to the Inside Our Schools podcast, a podcast where we put all the current issues around teaching in Irish secondary schools under the microscope. I'm your host, Andrew Phelan. In this episode, we go inside our schools and we take a look at the role played by special needs assistants. Uh, it's an often forgotten to get what crucial role uh, that played by SNAs in schools all up and down the country uh, and are vital, a vital lifeline for the students who need them. Um, of course, I say forgotten, meaning the general public, absolutely not forgotten by teachers who see the role that they do every single day of the week in their classrooms and parents uh, of students with special needs many SNAs are like an extension of their family uh, to put it mildly and the, 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 that constant contact can absolutely uh, be a game breaker for many many parents you know and they play an absolutely crucial role but tonight we discuss issues that are faced by a lot of the SNAs issues such as abuse of job description uh, ill-defined role within schools with many SNAs being given jobs that have absolutely nothing to do with their role. Um, we discussed the diminishing allocation of SNAs in schools around the country and the precarious nature of employment faced by many SNAs who can find themselves going from school to school nomadically every year uh, trying to find work. And we also take a brief look at the future of special needs education in Ireland and the proposed new Brunswick model. And to discuss all these issues, we are joined by, it has to be said, two great spokespeople uh, for SNAs. I've seen them many a time on, on various media clips and on other podcasts. So I'm delighted to have both of them on tonight uh, to discuss these issues. So we're joined firstly by Carol McSherry, who is founder of SNAs Speak Out group uh, on Twitter. You can find them at SNAs Speak Out. And I'm joined, we're joined again uh, by Linda O'Sullivan. Linda was on our, a, a previous show around the COVID issues. And Linda is co-founder of the SNA Advocacy Group. And you'll find them on Twitter at SNAAGIRE. And both Carol and Linda are very active in the Forza Trade Union. If you enjoy this podcast, please do subscribe. It's available on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, and on Google Podcasts. And you'll be kept up to date with all the latest episodes and all the latest discussions that we are having. Another reminder before we start um, that all the participants, including myself, are representing their own views uh, and not the views of their trade union or school or workplace or other. It's just their own personal view. Um, So we just want to remind everybody of that. So Linda and Carl, thanks very much um, for coming along. Um, I know that you have set up a couple of groups in, around SNAs because it seems to be a profession in turmoil, I suppose, at the moment. There's a, lot, a huge amount of issues and very often, I suppose, SNAs tend to get forgotten about. It seems to be the teachers and the Department of Education. And then very often this, the SNAs, I suppose, can fall down to the middle of that. A lot of the, the workforce is, is unionized now in Forza, which is really good. And other, there's probably other trade unions involved there as well, uh, looking after SNAs. But can you just explain to, to some of the listeners, because this is obviously a, a secondary school podcast and there's a lot of SNAs in secondary schools. Can you just explain to people uh, what you set up or for SNAs and, and why you set that group up? Linda, do you want to tell us about your group? Yeah, so... Um... Myself and Darren Roach, a fellow SNA, um, we became friends through Twitter and kind of were both, I suppose, angry and frustrated at how the government pit us against uh, special needs parents and the pupils because of their refusal to go back to work when it wasn't safe to do so. 
in January and February. So we set up the FNA advocacy group as a kind of a group to try and bridge the gap and to rebuild bridges and uh, rebuild relationships that were ruined and destroyed because of the government's failure to handle um, lockdowns and you know how to accommodate children with AEN during a lockdown. Um, and our whole aim is to bring SNAs, parents and pupils together um, and other advocacy groups to try and because what we believe is that what's good for the child is good for us. And um, so I suppose kind of like a center point for all of us to try and achieve things. So like reading in the years there last week when we seen people fighting for SNAs and more school places, we're still kind of in the same boat. So um, to work kind of in harmony together because January and February were not nice um, months and we had groups kind of turning against SNAs that probably never would have spoken out against us before. So it was important that we tried to work together and to try and um, help SNAs out there that were finding it very hard because the whole year I think just had a really bad impact on SNAs and people's mental health and how they felt about the profession. So that was our whole gig I suppose and um, Carol were her group and the union and everybody else collaboratively we're all trying our best to try and do what we can for SNAs because I suppose the spotlight's been on us for the last year or so and we want to keep it that way until we get our demands met I suppose um, and hopefully we'll see that things change and that will happen but until we do we'll keep doing what we're doing. Yeah, that's pretty, so we'll get to some of those issues in a second. Um, and Carol, then your group, um, you set up, was yours based around COVID or around, around the same issues? or? No, I set mine up nearly two years ago. Okay. And what happened was I, I saw um, there's a Facebook group with 10,000 SNAs. And uh, I could see, you know, it's a private group, and obviously so people can vent, whatever. I could see a lot of issues coming up over and over again. And I was active on Twitter, my own account, and I just said, people should know about this. So I set up what was initially an anonymous account called SNA Speak Out. And I suppose I saw my role more as um, spreading information. And I, as it was a bit arrogant of me because it's only me. Um, I don't have anybody else on the account because people talk to me by DM a lot. Uh, you can have SNAs in distress, so I can treat it as confidential. Um, but like that, I was initially I set it up because a couple, a couple of my friends that I worked with uh, as SNAs, I work in a nice small country school, they lost their jobs and they were brilliant. They just brought so much to the to the community and just like that, snap the fingers, allocations were out and they were gone. And it was like losing a family member. So that got me kind of my blood going. That was May 2019. So um, then journalists started getting contact to me and um, Sinn Féin brought me into the doll and I brought Jesslyn with me and it kind of from that it kind of got legs but then the pandemic hit uh, sorry slightly before that in January of last year I um, I decided I kind of needed more information because there was a lot of people coming to me for information so I went for a role in, in Forza uh, I went for an equality officer job and got it to my surprise and then it was a very steep learning curve and learning how the union worked and getting the information. But it's been brilliant uh, and getting to know people that advocate all the time for SNAs. Uh, so that's kind of then COVID hit 
Uh, and then the redeployment. I think that uh, radicalised, if that's too strong a word, a lot of SNAs because it's just there was rumours around that we were going to be redeployed to um, be contact tracers, which we kind of you could get that you're kind of do, providing something to the community. But then uh, out of the blue, they, the department decided to uh, redeploy us as healthcare assistants, healthcare workers. And it just caused so much consternation. And say on my SNA account, I had SNAs coming to me at 12, one o'clock in the morning in total distress. They didn't know what was happening. And then without going into too much detail, there was a whole hames made of the guard vetting. And it just mm. ground everything to a halt. And the sad part was, Again, the children lost out, and you can't advocate for SNAs without advocating for children with special needs uh, or additional needs. So that's that. That basically is is was kind of a lot of pressure came from that, and um, it did seem to kind of galvanise a lot of us. And um, and then Linda came along, and that's kind of how it it started. Yeah, well, no, well done to both of you. Um, it's it's really good to see stuff like that happening. So you mentioned there about <clears throat> Forza and it kind of opened your eyes a bit and you see that a lot in teaching. So if you look at social media and, and some of the platforms that are, that are really good, like voice for teachers and things like that. But you, you can see a lot of the questions and a lot of the comments are clearly people who are not going to union meetings because they would know the answer to those if they were. Or they're clearly they don't know how the union operates because, you know, you can hear some of the comments and so on. So when you do go along and when you do join, then you kind of figure out, oh, actually, this is a body here that we can use and that you know and, and so on um but the other thing just to pick up on carol there that i noticed you said is you know during during the pandemic when um you were kind of told you were going to be uh, doing contact tracing and then you were going to be uh, put in the healthcare sector I, I, I hear that story in schools about snas that you just seem to like you you could have an sna who was there with a student looking after a student and then all of a sudden the, the principal or someone could say, right, can you put 1500 uh, letters in an envelope there, please? You know, it just, it's just doing these jobs that are, it's not your role at all. You know, it's just thrown into different areas. So I suppose that's one thing that SNAs maybe, I'm just guessing here because to be quite honest, I have no clue. And that's why I want you to tell me. And, and, and that's why I think this, you know, a lot of people need to hear some of this stuff. Like, I presume one of the things that you're maybe looking for is an actual, probably a job description. What is, what's your role, et cetera, and so on. And what are you there to do? Um, and so people are not asking above and beyond what you're supposed to be doing of you. Is that something that's, that's, that's one of the issues or. For me, um, you know, every now and again, you, you try and see what the top issues are for SNAs. Mm. And to me, like, um, you know, uh, precarious employment, you know, pay is not great it stops after 15 years, our pensions are terrible. But the issue that comes up every time is the famous 72 hours. 72 because, hours. Yeah, because um, it's, it's- Crow Park. Crow, well, they call them the Crow Park hours. They're, it just lead, like that, it's so different in every school. So you hear of, of the worst case we heard is of uh, SNAs and asked to wash cars. Now, but generally stuff like cleaning things, and like that, you can have maybe one SNA or two SNA in a school. So you, they don't know who to go and ask and they don't want to rock the boat. It might yeah. be new. But if you do something like that once, they're doing it all the time. Yeah. And then they just feel that there's a lack of respect. And that's what 
everything seems to come back to is yeah. a lack of respect. And you, you often say, well, you wouldn't ask a teacher to do that. No. So mm. kind of, um, and then, I mean, one time I offered to help out with some cleaning, um, like in my innocence in early days. And there's another cleaner or another SNA said to me, you're taking the caretaker's work. Mm. You know, so um, we do need a well-defined role. We need to professionalize our roles. Mm. Uh, and we need, like, we, I presume we'll come on to, we need accreditation for our qualifications. Mm-hmm. Well, that, but, that would go hand in hand with defining yeah. a role, I suppose, like, uh, and the qualification that's needed to, to perform that role, you know, um, I think. And, 33 days in the junior cert, I mean, I did yeah, what a student could do. Th- this is something the department said during the week, is it? Um, yeah, so basically they said that they see no reason to change the minimum educational requirement to be an SNA is in their eyes three Ds in the junior cert. But everybody knows that the SNA contract hasn't been looked at since the scheme began. So things have changed. Like originally it was to get women back into the workforce, um, like predominantly women, I will say. I don't think there was men that took up it back then. Mm-hmm. But like everybody knows, like any school, like here, for example, the day that that came out in the media it was Tuesday or Wednesday. I went on to educationpost.ie. I scrolled through the SNA adverts. I'm sure all of the schools want a copy of your diplomas, your degrees. Like there's, it's not just three Ds in the junior cert. And like, I know that there are SNAs out there that have three Ds and that's fine. But the vast majority of SNAs that I know are highly educated and had careers before they went into SNA. So it's like an absolute insult to suggest that somebody in transition year or, you know, somebody at that level it could be capable of doing the job that we do because most of the time we're OT specialists, we're speech and language, we're, um, you know, we're providing medical care in some um, sorts to these children. So to think that we could do that. And then also like a lot of parents of AEN children weren't aware that that was it. And like, I'm sure they would agree that most SNAs that have looked after their children are highly educated, mm-hmm. um, far more than the three D's in the junior cert but again that just comes down to the absolute lack like what Donica O'Leary said it's a long history in the lack of respect for the role and that's why we need the contract changed so that they will look at SNAs differently I think they will now because they know that a lot of us like Carol and Jessalyn and Darren are outspoken and that we won't take being spoken to like that but there's SNAs like what Carol said in small country schools that are just taking it because they're terrified if they say anything, they lose their jobs or they'll be disciplined. And that's who you do it for. You know, like I'm lucky, like Carol, I'm in a very good school and our principal is very union and um, treats SNAs, cleaners, caretakers, everybody the exact same, but not all SNAs are treated like that. And that's who you do it for. You think of them, you know? Yeah, I, I, I know myself to, to SNAs who I've worked with in the past it would be in my school and different things that I like the, the, most of them two of them uh, are the three people that I know had degrees you know now one came from a business background was actually working in the business world first and then obviously wanted to become an SNA and then the other one <clears throat> has a degree in music and that but again as you said wanted to become an SNA because they love that role they love that job and they love looking after students with special needs and the, the one-to-oneness I suppose of the job that you have then again, it goes back to, oh, sure, it's a vocation now, you know, and, uh, you know, you're, you're doing, you shouldn't be paid for that because, you know, you love your job. And and, and most people, um, 
are afraid, as you said, to lose that role because they do feel that connection with the student. And if they lose the role and they're not there the following year and they worry about the student and all the rest of it. But for me, it's, it's just plain and simple. The reason that they said that during the week about the, the, they don't want to change the criteria one is is just a, they just don't want to pay SNAs and it's that simple uh, as far as I'm concerned. We have, the, the, it's the same on everything in education in this country. Uh, we have the lowest. Um, we keep we keep saying this, uh, and I'm going to keep saying it, even though people are probably bored of listening to me say it. But you know, we we're the lowest spend on an education in the OECD. You know, per GDP and per all the rest of it, we just do not spend anywhere near what other countries spend on education, and it's terrible. And we're one of the richest countries in the world. I think we're the fourth or fifth richest country in the world, and yet we won't spend on education. And of course, if they bring in a new qualification for SNAs that is to degree standard or is up there with a high standard, they will have to pay accordingly, and they don't want to do that. Um, oh. And that's just that's just the bottom line for me. This is all about money, and it always has been. And I don't think you're arguing that you know somebody. I would. I certainly wouldn't argue that you should have to have a, a degree. So that means that let's say Mary or John, who's been, been an SNA for the last 10 years, who has their five C's or five D's, whatever, in the junior cert and are doing a very good job. No. They yeah. shouldn't be gone. Good luck to you. No. What should happen is the Department of Education should train them, train them up uh, and, yeah. and give them a, a much higher qualification. Uh, and so therefore they're paid accordingly, you know. Um, but like they, that's what they, even their comments that they made about the UCD course that the department created themselves with UCD. Um, it was really like, Oh yeah, we could accredit the course, but we just don't want to. We just don't feel the need to, I believe was the phrase that was used from department officials, whoever they are. Um, like they just didn't want to do it. And am I right in saying then that they, the UCD want to accredit it? Oh, UCD, so obviously I've been hammering the UCD out of it and the student union and anybody else that I could think of. And like, I spoke to the head of education, UCD, and she made it very clear that they have sent off anything the department have looked for um, all of their all of their um, paperwork, everything to back up the fact that there's even a course ran side by side air course that's given a level seven qualification and actually air course is higher, like as in there's more modules, etc. So like it, it makes no sense why they won't accredit it. And it's a like, I mean, it's not like a FOSS course. It's not like a flare arranging course once a week. It takes up a lot of time, which was grand in January when we were at home, but now we're working and we're trying to do everything else. So like for them to just say, you're going to get a little certificate and a pat on the back and well done. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And I don't want another 500 ending up the situation that the 500 of us are in. It wasn't like clear when we signed up. Yes, what it was. But like, that doesn't mean that we don't fight for it because there's going to be more down the line. And I think what they're going to do is they're going to use that course as some sort of a, a focal point or a starting point then that everyone will eventually do the course or this will be, you know, the mark of accreditation for an SNA. But sure, they need to accredit it or else they're not going to get another 500 that will want to do it. It's like, why? It's like junior leave insert and then getting nothing at the end, you know? That's kind of what it's like at the minute. Um, and who was that with? Was that with UCD, was it? UCD, yeah. And, and like, had they had they decided that this was a course that they were going to offer and then the department said no, was it? You know, so UCD are doing it in conjunction with the department. So UCD okay. created it with the department, but they like I think they're they said it's it's political as to why they won't accredit the course. Um, because they can't understand why and they're very supportive of the campaign, etc. But like 
to them, like the, the work that they've put in and the course itself and the content, everything is like top notch. Like they deserve for it to be accredited because of the work that they're putting in as well. So it's like, I mean, it's a no brainer. It really, it, it, like just to sign it off as a level seven, just do it like. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that the department are running a course for SNAs that they will not accredit themselves, that they're fighting against accrediting. Mm. Just, you know. Yeah, the it's, it's bizarre and it is something that is a specialist job to be quite honest it's a oh, very it people say like oh well if you if you want that why don't you just become a teacher it is a very very different role than a teacher like you know and yeah. said a lot it's a completely different role you heard that like even today i was thinking of it like i a child came into my class today and i knew by the color of him i knew by the makeup of him that he wasn't well and mm. how do I know that? Because I sit beside a child every single day. Yeah. And like, you know, you become like their parent for those hours that you have. So you know mm. what they're doing. You know when they're not feeling great. You know when something's too overwhelming. But like, it's so insulting for them to say that, oh, sure, like you're only 3Ds. And, and like, I mean, like Carol, all of us, we, we all had like education before we became SNAs. Like, mm. and, like to think that we're, and in, in some cases, I've often been, more qualified than people that I'm that I've worked with teachers included and like that doesn't matter but it matters when people try and make it out that like dumb you down the department because that's what they're trying to do make us out to be these people that you know we're just doing we're child I believe that we were childcare assistants originally mm. I think some of the women in force said when they first took on the role back then they were like childcare assistants sure like look at how much your role has changed like we do, we, like when a speech and language therapist come in, they're not given the list of work for the pupil to do to the teacher. It's going to be the SNA that does it. And mm. it's going to be the SNA that does the OT every morning. And, mm. you know, and that should be acknowledged. And to acknowledge that would be to professionalize our role, which they just don't seem to want to do. Um, for in, me, case, in case people are warning, sorry, Carl. Yeah, go on, no, go ahead. I was just going to say for me, the change now, I, I always harp back to this. It's my is the circular 30 2014 because it redefined our role mm. uh, and you know i'm an sna 19 years and when i started in my school you know it was kind of vague but you just jumped in and did things it was a smaller school you did a lot more stuff i mean i think since the 72 hours came in i do less time than you know extra time than i did before but in 2014 that circular came out and it defined, it said we had primary uh, care role and then a secondary care role. Now, if SNAs only did what was in that circular, we'd be sitting still for a lot of the day. There's no way, it doesn't define, we're not trying to be teachers, we don't want to be teachers, but we definitely guide the children. And that's the whole thing. The teacher gives you the work, it might be a bit differentiated, but you help the child implement and do the work. But that is not acknowledged at all. If you were to go on what the department says and the circulars, you think we're just there for care needs. Yeah. Now, a knock-on of that is that the vaccinations, you know, the vaccine is doing catheterization, they're doing peg feeding. That's all really since 2014 that that's come in. Uh, so they're doing the kind of work that help HSE workers have done, mm -hmm. but it's not acknowledged from a vaccine point of view. So they have it both ways. They're saying we're there for care needs, but yet we're not treated as frontline workers. No. I think I, I've noticed as well, 
there's not as many SNAs around. Now, is that just me or is that the case? Are the, are the allocations dropping or, or, or what's, what's going on with allocations? Um, this year's allocations haven't been announced. Okay. Last year's were frozen because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The only problem with that was, you know, you have a lot of schools opening um, that needed SNAs. They couldn't get SNAs. They could go for the, um, the, the special, mm. the word exceptional review. But I've heard that it's a 50-page document. The principals are doing Trojan work at the moment, and mm. I have to say that. Mm. Uh, to have to go around and, and fill out these exceptional review forms, you know, 50 pages, on top of trying to work during a pandemic and do the Zoom calls and everything else, it's mm. onerous and it doesn't achieve anything. So while it was good that, you know, I think the union pushed for it as well, there was no job losses last mm. year. There was... Um, no extra uh, for especially for new and upcoming schools especially the desh schools that really need yeah. them yeah and uh, the, the catalyst for me setting up sna speaks out was in 2019 on the 27th of may they announced the allocations and they said isn't this great we're going to have 600 new snas but behind the scenes i knew that um they had let go a lot of snas we couldn't get the numbers. So eventually Sinn Féin sent in an FOI request for me. And we discovered on the same day that they had announced these 600 jobs, 240 SNAs had lost their jobs. Mm. That didn't get into any paper. Mm. Yeah. So I know net-wise, you know, there's, what, 400 in the difference? Mm. But that that means there's 200 SNAs who have all this experience. Mm -hmm. They're either going on the supplementary panel or the ones that I know, they just quit. They couldn't take this, mm. you know, uh, being moved from school to school. And of course, when you're moved from school to school, you're last in every time. Yeah, mm. I know SNAs who are 15 years SNAs and they're mm. waiting for the allocations every year to see whether they have a job or not. Mm. Yep. And, and I don't know any other profession that they can it's do. Horrible. It's horrible. It's horrible. Like I remember in a school that I was in, the Sino had came in in March, told us all that we were all fine. Then she came back in May and I was gone. That was it. It was just gone. And there was no, there was no rhyme or reason. The children, the needs were still there. And it was a really exceptional like circumstance. It was a junior infant class with three SNAs because I think there was nine or 10 children with needs in the class and there was no reason to cut it. And there was a child with a visual impairment that still to this day doesn't have a solo SNA they're sharing yeah. the SNA, but like this child couldn't eat lunch without the SNA sitting there because she physically couldn't see the food in front of her. She couldn't do anything herself, but see no thought, no, uh, that ch- like you'll be fine with as many SNAs as we have. And like that's happens all of the time. And still, when allocations come out, they make out that oh, look at 900 new SNA jobs, but they don't take into account the amount of SNAs that have to go looking for a job then for September. Mm. But like, it, and it got later and later, the allocations, like we should know, we should have known in December or January what was going to happen this year. Um, we still don't know, which is ridiculous. Like they could have just told us, I think they froze the teacher allocation or something, didn't they, Carol? Set was kept the same or something, but there's no, we don't know what's going to happen with SNAs. Like we presume that's going to be frozen again, but none of us know. So like people are, now trying to figure out what's going to happen because then they'll have to apply for jobs if they're last in first out and it shouldn't happen but it does every year 
Yeah, it's, it's very frustrating when the department does that. Like when you say about the 600 uh, allocation of 600 SNAs, but forget that the other end, or there's people dropping off at the other end. And and many a time, it's it, the word 600 SNAs is probably incorrect anyway, because it's probably ours. So you, you have that 200 and something that are dropping off um, who are part, maybe if they get another role in another school, are part of that 600. Do you know what I mean? And that's the they do the same in... In, in teaching, I suppose, when they, they say, oh, we've allocated, uh, let's just say, pick a figure, we're al- we've allocated 100 new teachers this year and aren't we great? Well, they haven't. They've allocated hours. Uh, so they're not actually extra teaching jobs. It's somebody might be picking up an hour here or the schools are free to use hours in different ways. So it's not actually teachers. And it, I, it's probably very, very uh, similar with SNAs. And I suppose with the pay element then in, t- in teaching, we, we're having a shortage of teachers in a lot of subjects. And many of them, you know, going off to Dubai and different places to teach because the salary, the starting salary is low and they've no hope of getting on the, the a mortgage, no hope of any of that kind of stuff. So they're, they're going abroad uh, and that's just what's happening. In terms of SNAs, um, is, is there many applying for jobs? Is there many, is there, is there many around or is, is similar things starting to happen? People looking at the pay and going, I'm not doing that work for that pay and, and, and going on. Or Is that a problem or... I think a lot of SNAs are, 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 I think a lot of people, I suppose, want to do it because they, they like the idea of the job and holidays and things, which is always a bonus. But I don't think a lot of people understand the, the complex like work that we can do sometimes, especially if you're working in ASD units and special schools. Um, but there, I know of a lot of people that are doing the course now, and I just, I actually still don't think there's a common understanding of how hard it can be to get a job mm. as well like last year I don't know how people were starting out because obviously things were frozen and there wasn't jobs out there but we like it you do see people going into it but it's such a hard like when you mm. see how we're treated it's hard to understand how so many might go into it considering they can't even treat us right like I, I still if someone came to me now and said I want to be an SNA, I'd still say do it because I, I, I do love my job and most SNAs I know love our jobs. It's kind of this background noise coming from the department of mm. uh, not really treating us with respect and, mm. and it's unnecessary yeah. because I think we can bring so much to the classroom. As Linda said earlier, we're sitting in the class with the children, we know them well. You see the sideward glances or maybe, you know, those kind of, you pick up on things that teachers are brilliant at picking up with things but you're literally down at their level mm. you know so I, I i think anecdotally from what i can see snas are spread more thinly than when mm. i started 19 years ago our contract when we started was you were allocated to a child and at the time i think i was allocated to two uh, now i'm with five mm. you know yeah. and i think that's across the board now some of them do have varying needs but it just means your day is quite stressed. And if you've a medically vulnerable child, are you leaving that child to run over to another child? It's, it's a little worry that's there, you know? Mm. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think um, overall it's worth it for the job, but I just think why not, why not be world-class because we could do it. And really this would be so good for children with additional needs. It's mm. not just about us. We don't just advocate for SNAs. We're also advocating because there's so much potential for helping children with additional needs as well. Well, that's the thing. I mean, the the, the less SNAs or the less allocations means less help. And, and oh, that's yeah. it. it. It seems to me as well that they've 
they're, they're changing the, the requirements are, are those who, who require an SNA. So some yeah. people are getting less help than they used to do in the past. Um, I can see that clearly in classrooms, you know, whereas maybe seven, eight years ago, they would have had help of an SNA with them. And now all of a sudden, no, we're not quite going to focus on that. We're going to focus on, you know, uh, people with more serious, for want of a better word, uh, learning difficulties. And some people then are just caught and, you know, they, they need that help and it's just not there. You know, yeah, even like a senior hasn't been in a school since like probably not even last year. What do you think mm. of it? Like we went into lockdown. I, I haven't seen a senior. So how they can even... How could they even differentiate, like look through a spreadsheet now this year and say how many SNAs, like they haven't even met children that are in junior infants that probably need an SNA and couldn't get one because it was frozen and their schools are probably having to use what SNAs they have. So Mm. it's madness. Like it's just slightly ridiculous that like we're going to go into May and we still don't know whether, and there's SNAs that might know whether they have a job in September especially in deaf schools because i think we still don't know what impact COVID's had i spoke to a child psychologist the other day and she said that everything seemed okay before easter but it's only now they're starting to see the damage that all of the lockdowns had now and especially in a deaf school like you're looking at like extremely vulnerable children not you know medically or you know at home they're socioeconomic like their background their family status everything Mm. Like it's, it's now, and like, as Carol said, you can, you can have, like we say on paper, one or two children, but you actually could in theory have five or six children that you're looking after in the class. And that's really like, it's hard because you know what those children need. And like, yes, it's not, it, it mightn't be an autism, you know, diagnosis, or but it could be just that that child needs, uh, has emotional needs or they might be experiencing stuff at home. So like most of the time you end up with more kids than what you have but like you know they never say that but that's mm. a reality in a deaf school mm. again it's it's back to funding it's it's bigger classes for teachers it's less snas to be spread around you know it's, it, it goes back to again less money being being spent on uh, on education in ireland you know um yeah. And tell me about pay. Have you gotten any pay rises? Is there anything we're on the horizon? We're loaded, Andrew. We're loaded. I mean, <laughs> yes. I mean. Yeah, I have three houses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One in the Caribbean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the thing with the pay is it stops after 15 years, which sounds great. But, you know, as someone who's worked 19 years and mm. I'm paying a mortgage by myself, uh, it's quite the uh, roller coaster ride, you mm. know. Uh, plus, there's no possibility of furthering our career. Yeah. You become an SNA, that's it. And, you know, a few people have raised ideas. Could we become senos? Could we become speech and language therapists? There's a shortage of them. Mm. We've been doing that work. Uh, you know, there's scope there. But, of course, like, that's yeah. reaching for the moon, really, at the moment. But I'm thinking Oh, Carol, now you're 3Ds now. That's enough. <laughs> but, I mean, if you're thinking logically... Uh, it can be frustrating that sometimes you want to um, just aim for something and maybe, yeah. you know, you obviously want to be the best SNA you, you mm. can be, but there's scope there for professionalizing our role yeah. and giving us, um, you know, a, a possibility of furthering our careers. Um, well, I see that's why it's so important to define your role because yes. as long as you keep doing those jobs like speech therapists and if you if you go off and probably presumably by yourself and do a course and come yeah. 
and, and to help you be a better SNA. But as long as you keep doing or fulfilling those roles, they're never going to make that a paid position because they have people doing it for just doing it for their own wage, for their SNA wage. You know, it's a, so it's really important to define that role because it can really be shoved shoved in anywhere, you know. And that's what the, well, the worry is now, well, worry, slight worry, just positive and negatives to front-loading what was meant to come in last year, but then obviously with COVID. Like, if that comes in, yes, there's kind of, kind of semi-permanency, uh, you know, it looks better for SNAs, like, let's say, but in theory, we could be looking at a worse situation then for children. So, you know, oh, school is 10 SNAs, well, you'll have to just use them as best you can because you mm. mightn't get another one in. But like SNAs, you, you could have SNAs in a school that could be the speech and language person for that school or the OT for that school because, I mean, I haven't seen any of them in a school since before lockdown. Mm. And like, that's the reality. The other thing with the front loading, I mean, there's, there's a whole podcast on the front loading alone, mm. but you know, what there was sort of 5,000 was the waiting list for children to see a to get a report, a psychological report. So what is the answer if this front loading comes in? The they're going to get rid of the need for that report. Yeah. Which and is yes how are parents not up in arms over this? No. You can know. you can you can you explain the front loading there? Uh, what what is it exactly? And um, because I'm struggling with it. So other people who are listening might be struggling too. So what is exactly what is the front loading? It's a new scheme being brought in. It was called the New Brunswick model for a while because it was a model that was run in New Brunswick in Canada. Mm. From what I read and from teachers, what they've written about it, it hasn't gone very well in Canada. To me, it, it's a cost-saving measure. Mm. There was talk about closing special schools. I don't mm. know. I mean, it's, it's all up in the air because the pilot scheme, I think, was held up a bit because of COVID. Mm-hmm. So if the pilot scheme wasn't... Uh, or sorry, if the COVID didn't exist, we might be further down the line. Now, Forza have did, have said we can ballot, but I mean, I think it's telling that you ask two SNAs about our pay, and we both end up talking about the children we work with. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And yeah. I think that's what has happened with mm. the front loading model. As Linda said, it can be good for SNAs because it might finally give us permanency mm. in the long term. But is it worth then knowing that children will lose out because? I think to, to suddenly say all these 5,000 children, do, I know I'm, I'm simplifying it a bit, but mm-hmm. they suddenly don't need to get a psychological assessment. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what we work off. Mm-hmm. I, we are not qualified to say this child has autism, this child has ADHD. You, they need to see someone professional and then they have their recommendations, which is what we work off. Mm-hmm. But this front loading model, um, it's supposed to be more efficient. I don't know. It just looks like cost cutting to me. And yes. I don't think it's it's like it's moving away, I suppose, from special needs as well, because we could be then a whole school resource, which could be even worse because we aren't just going to deal with the children to have care, which sounds all lovely. But like then in theory, what are you going to do in classes where you might have many vulnerable children and children with needs mm-hmm. and maybe only one SNA? Because, you know, if there's 10 in the school and you might just be that like how does an SNA how does an SNA cope with that? How does the school cope with that then if they can't get any more help? Yeah, no, now I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, I just didn't understand what you meant by when you're talking about front loading. But as soon as you mentioned the new Brunswick model, I mean, that came up at, at union meetings that we've had. Mm-hmm. And of course, we said, uh, this, this is going back just 
before the pandemic broke, I suppose, and the the ASTI union objected to it, the New Brunswick model, because it's not it's not going very well over there. Um, and what it is essentially is throwing special needs on top of a school and just the teachers then all have to have to be able to suddenly teach all children with special needs uh, with no training, no background in it. Um, and it just seems to be, again, like they're doing with everything, is just leave the schools deal with and just throw yeah. it on top. Uh, and 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 I, I think at the time, as I am, and, and some of the other um, um, special needs groups or parents of special needs, children and so on, came out and, and spoke against what the ASTI had said. And of course, we weren't against inclusion, right? Because no, nobody's against inclusion. We're against that New Brunswick model that they're trying to push on people. And the way I would put it to a, a parent, if they're listening to this, uh, of a child with autism, and I just said at the beginning of this podcast, I have no idea how to teach a child with autism. Uh, so you think, if you think as a parent that it's a good idea for them to be in my class and me be the one looking after them with no clue how to teach them, um, surely that's not the best for the student. And it's very interesting to hear um, people whose whole career is children with special needs also say that New Brunswick model is is not what what, what we want in this country. You know, it's and that's but yeah. that that's that's coming. That new that new Brunswick model model is actually it's all in, it's all in stature, it's there, it's coming. Uh, and oh yeah. Well, and we coming, know, you know that like that's what the the hard thing is, yes, air union and I'm sure other would ballot for it, but regardless of that, like what some of the you know, outspoken principles and stuff have said, it's going to come. We know that it's going yeah. to come, but it's trying to show people that, yes, it might look good for SNAs, but it's not going to be good for children. Mm. And they're the people that obviously we care about, don't care about anything else. That's why we're there and doing our jobs. And like mm. the idea that children be left without any supports or minimum supports because you could be running around the school, you know? Yeah, but also, do you have the trust that it's going to be funded properly, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think um, the, the problem with the front loading is you, you can't, it sounds awful to say, of course, full inclusion is the model. Of course it is. Mm. But I suppose we've come from, you know, lack of funding for years, the highest um, pupil teacher ratio almost in Europe. And so the department are saying, trust us, because in New Brunswick, the equivalent of an SNA, I think there's one in 30 uh, so per pupil. Uh, whereas in Ireland it's one in 50 and mm. um, they have more speech therapists mm. they have more psychologists and um, in Ireland we have small schools so if you have a school in Kerry with 50 children are you they going to be able to take in a child with mm. maybe huge medical needs is mm. that school going to get if a child's having meltdowns are they going to have a sensory room of mm. course children should be in schools in an area that they live in but it has to be balanced with making sure that the funding is there and the the uh, requirements are covered mm. so um so if it's not working that well in new brunswick in canada where it is funded. that they're bringing it in here mm. because it, 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 they have more facilities than we do it always amazes me with the irish education system the way they and even in terms of covid the way they seem to constantly look at other countries and just try and place that here oh look they're doing that over there let's put it in here oh, look they're doing that over here let's put it in here what about coming up with our own system? Why can't the Irish Department of Education be the world leader in, in so a new type of inclusion that hasn't been done anywhere else? And let's see if we can fund it uh, and, and let's see how it works. You know, I just don't but understand. If we, ha- if we had a new model, like 
a lot of the stuff that I've looked at in UCD in the courses, like Italy and places that don't have special schools and they've full inclusion and everything else. But like we wouldn't have the waiting list that we have. We wouldn't have children waiting years to be, you know, given a diagnosis. We'd have a better, more efficient service, but it, it means put money in. I'm sure like they just don't want to put money into it. And they'll claim day in and day out every leader's questions every day that they're in the doll that they're on side of the children and they couldn't be further from the side of the children mm. when you see like what happened in cork with the special school and the building and there's children again in no places like i know even in the schools that i've worked in there's children with no school place for september i'm sure they don't care and like they can't magic places out of the sky but it's the reality of the situation like and they're doing nothing to make it better except putting out the odd tweet which is great but like What's that going to achieve in the long term? My sister is severe special needs and she's in residential now, thankfully. Um, she's in a residential kind of uh, place uh, and it's really, really good. You know, it's like her, her family now, you know, uh, and they, she comes home every weekend or whatever. But um, but to see trying to get that place or see trying to get, oh, it's it's uh, the, the hoops you have to jump through. Where it, 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 There is no funding. There is nothing here for people with special needs. And when you see then what carers have to go through at home uh, who, who don't get a place in some sort of residential, it's, it's horrendous. Uh, but yes, when, when the government and when it suits them, they'll roll out the, the, the special needs and say that, you know, uh, you don't want to have special needs students and the teachers are only thinking about themselves. The SNAs are only thinking about themselves. Oh, that's kind of rubbish, you know, um, when it couldn't be further from the truth. It's horrible. And like, that's what made january so depressing because it wasn't even the covid it was that they were making us out to be these monsters that were not that we all we cared about were the children and making sure that they were okay and you know thankfully any child that i work with the parents understood exactly where we were coming from about covid but like it was so hurtful to have certain groups speak out against that we wouldn't go out to work you know we wouldn't go to work when they were closed so like you know like and that's what hurt because like we work day in day out with children and often we work day in and day out with children that like i i work in early intervention i work with children that receive no help all they have is a diagnosis they have nothing else they've no ot they've no speech and language the parents have no support it could be the first child for them they've never they've no clue about autism and they worship the ground you walk on because you look after their child and you're telling them stuff that their child can do that they might have never done at home. Mm. And like, you know, like it was horrible to even think that they were going to pit us against each other because SNAs and parents forevermore will always have a special bond. But like, you know, the reality of the situation is the department only care when it, 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 it looks good for them. So that was January, February. If there was any sort of cut to allocations, they'd never raise it in the doll. But sure, I tried to get the SNA issue raised last week in the doll, and the Social Democrats and Sinn Fein were told, "No, you spoke about SNAs twelve weeks ago." Like they talk about COVID every day, they talk about you know Brexit every day, and they said, "No, you brought up SNAs before." It was the accreditation that was weeks ago with Aidan Aradon, and they didn't care. They said, "No, you spoke about them before." So they it's called box tick, Linda. Yeah, it's a box tick. You know, we spoke about that. Now, job done. Move on to something else. Um, well, we didn't ask you just to speak about it. Can you do something about it? You know, might be a better uh, thing. Yeah, but so people listen to this. Then 
what, what's the what's the main message that you want to get out carol i'd say allow us to professionalize our role yeah. i think you know let us get our qualifications you know it listening to us can sound all very negative i think the system does work well when you get into it. it's like the healthcare system mm. when when they can get their children in to work with SNAs and when SNAs are resourced, it's an amazing system. Mm. And as you said, Andrew, we could be world leaders on it. That's mm. what kills me. There's so much potential mm. and it just needs that little bit of a push. I know it costs money, but you know, we see money being thrown at other things. Mm. To me, looking after vulnerable children, you know, there's a lot of talk about what COVID has done to children, you know, fund us, find the money. I don't care where they find it but professionalize our role. It's not just for us. It's for the good of the classroom. It's for the good of the kids. Absolutely. Yeah. Linda. Accredit the UCD course. That'd be a start. Sign a piece mm. of paper that says it's worthy of level seven or eight. Um, mm. Professionalize our role. As Carol said, that's like so important and give us permanency in our jobs instead of waiting mm. on front loading. No SNA should ever have to worry day in, day out week in week out whether the scene is going to come in and they're going to lose their jobs because mm. it's the most demoralizing horrific experience to go through especially when you're settled in a school and mm. um, i'd say also just for any teachers or principals or anybody else listening just to be very mindful of what you ask snas to do and maybe look at the contract that we have and what we're meant to do we're there for the sen like for children that's the only thing that we should be doing in a school you know, thankfully, I think if the pandemic has given any sort of positivity, it's that principals, essays and teachers, everyone seems to be singing from the same hymn sheet. And that's a positive, I suppose. But we have a lot of work to do. And that's why the likes of myself and Carol will just keep going until we get all of our demands met without sending and sounding like we have millions. We do. But um, look, it's it, we're not asking for much really in fairness. Oh, and I, I would anybody listening to this who is an SNA because that's if this goes out and, and on Twitter and different places of SNAs, they're going to click and listen. And, and if they are listening to get in touch with you on Twitter, I'll, I'll put them in the show notes, your, your, your Twitter handles of the two groups and to get in touch with you and to join Forza and to get into the union uh, and uh, and really start making your, your, your case heard, you know, um, I definitely think. Uh, well, Forza have done a great job. Like, yeah. in, like they, I mean, last year, we faced being sent when you when you think about it now we faced being sent into nursing homes mm. which to be honest like they were the big killer at the start of the lockdown so like they're were like completely grateful and as shane lambert said in january february when they stopped us going into schools it definitely saved lives and i honestly believe that and um, because i mean we were hitting what ten thousand cases a day it was, you know, it doesn't take a scientist to work out how many children or SNAs or teachers would have contracted COVID. So, I mean, everyone should join force. And I've said that umpteen times. And it's, I know people say, oh, I don't know union, everything else. We can all have our voices, but really it's, mm. it's part of a union. You'll only be heard. So, yeah. No, it's no good. It's no good just getting on a keyboard and throwing it out there on, on social media and so on. You know, you need it's it's inside the union is where the work is done and where you can have a, and to think that they were actually going to send people back into schools uh, at ten, you know, at that number it was. But well, that just shows what you're dealing with. I don't think they were. No, I think they wanted They wanted the unions to be the bad boys and, and girls yeah. and pull the plug on on schools. Yeah, 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 probably. And the last thing I would say with since I did get actively involved and I'm on the branch now I suppose I thought there was kind of people up in an office 
that would you know send out all these missives and tell us what to do but really it's about empowering ourselves and mm. like I've gotten I'd hope I wouldn't be too strident but I'd, I've gotten my voice um and maybe strident isn't a bad thing but to, it gives you your voice that you learn to stand up for yourself because mm. you can't get respect if you don't have respect for yourself yeah and then people look at you and say well if they're doing that well then I must be and that's what like Carol said it's it's the one or two messages that you get from SNAs then that keep you going because they're saying oh I didn't know this or um like thanks for letting me know or like they're in a small country school and they're afraid to question what it is that they're doing but and that's what like it's usually it's a token three or four of us as Carol will testify in our union that do the media or do the interviews Mm. and stuff but people are so grateful for it. You know, you know, you have SNAs that are maybe retired this year and they're saying it's so nice to hear younger SNA people speaking out that they said they never would have and they just took it for years and they're delighted to see the activism. And that's what it's all about. It doesn't matter about different pages and stuff. We're all on the same page because mm. we're all part of force and we're all activists. And hopefully we can get back to doing that sort of stuff when restrictions lift and, um, you know, um, but like Forza played a blinder and Andy Pike and Shane and everybody else involved and for once I think people are starting to see us as a strong union which is good because you know they have a strong membership so um, hopefully we'll get a few jobs done this year Listen, it's been great to talk to you. Uh, thanks very much. I hope people, I hope people contact uh, you, SNAs who are listening to this, contact you and get involved uh, and get into the union. And I think teachers and SNAs probably need to work more closely in future going forward because we have true COVID. We've all been singing from the same hymn yeah. sheet. We've we've been a bigger voice. Uh, so we, we need to keep it going. Yeah, so keep going. Keep doing what you're doing. It's great. It's great to, to see people involved in other trade unions. Uh, uh, it's great, you know. Um, Thanks for the brilliant. opportunity. Yeah, no, it's great. It's great. And we'll have you back on again and see see how how things are going in a few months time well not a few months time because we're on our summer holidays but <laughs> don't be ruining the holidays now Andrew. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but listen well done well done and uh, if anything comes up in the meantime we'll get you back on again of course Thank well you. hopefully not hopefully things are smooth sailing until the end of june <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> thanks very much thanks, thanks andrew thanks carol Bye. thank you